I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hello, Dan Lasank here. Uh, falling forward, isn't it? Episode 10? It's got to be 10, surely. Number 10? I think we passed 10 billion listens. I don't know, I've not looked at the stats, but I'm assuming there's 10 billion of you sitting there right now. This is also the people in space who are illegally stealing it off the internet. Um, listening as well. I know there's not 10 billion people on Earth. What the hell am I talking about? Um, welcome back. Thank you, everyone who's here and stuff. Thank you, everyone who jumped in on the Endless app last week, last fortnight. Been really cool to see the stuff you've been making. I want to admit something, though. What I just said was a lie. I'm actually recording this before the Endless Tim XL episode comes out, but... Uh, I'm going away to America to visit my lady mate, um, who I've not seen in months. See, someone bibbed their horn because they were so excited at that. And uh, and to record a podcast. So, yeah, I'm trying to get this done ahead of time. So, yeah, I just lied. But as I'm recording this in the future, if I do something bad in between now and this coming out, yeah, sorry about that. I didn't realise I was so offensive. Um, also, if I happen to die while I'm away, just know that Andrea can have all my stuff. And if you want to release some music, the folder labeled Slop, S-L-O-P, is kind of the most recent stuff. Somehow, like, Questlove meets Psylob, <laughs> which is where my brain's at the moment. So yeah, so that's, that's what you should release posthumously. But anyway, on to this week. That was kind of morbid. On to this week, we have the delightful DJ Yoda. Dude, what a dude. He was really kind enough to let me come and just interrupt his day and just chat with me. It was, it's rambly as ever these are, but it's really nice to be able to get behind some of the motivations for the things he's done. And that motivation seems just to be, honestly, you'll, you'll hear it, but it's just passion. It's 
just the joy of creating new things, which I think sometimes we can get away from. Sometimes we can overthink and get in our own brains as creators and uh, forget why we do things. And the love of doing should be the first thing on your uh, plate. That makes no sense. That's not a sensical sentence. Um, but anyway, yeah, really nice, really nice chat. He's just good. Yoda's good, ridiculously talented, and genuinely a nice human being. And uh, yeah, I think I needed a nice human being. I came away energized from talking to Yoda. Like the, I think I recorded this last week and I seem to have got a lot done. So um, I think maybe I've been infused with Yoda's big deck energy, you know. See what I did there as well. That was that was actually a clever internet term from a couple of months ago. And I infused that. So because we've got memes. I bring the memes, I have the memes, I carry the memes with me. In my soul. Anyway, I should start the episode really, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I just do that? And get get that done. Um yeah, we'll do that. I do have to do the uh yo pay me section so the episode will start directly after that enjoy uh this podcast is funded entirely by patreon not by patreon the company obviously i'm not like that like it's by you people giving them money which they then give to me in turn and thank you patreons it means a lot i'm dubbing this in in post because i forgot to say thank you at the time which now means that my thank you is disingenuous. But I genuinely mean it. I made a new word. Carry on, Dan. Um, so if you're enjoying the podcast and uh, don't mind the fact that you can hear my washing machine in the background right now, consider jumping over to patreon.com forward slash Danlesack and chucking a dollary do my way. By saying dollary do, I'm making it all cutesy and making the hard capitalist transactions sound like a heartwarming thing so uh, also appreciate that if you like the music on the podcast you can get that for free or pay what you want on danlesack.bandcamp.com um, because let's face it i'm just a nice guy yeah you can you can tell i'm just one of those people who's really nice and delightful you know if they i find a wounded bird i I nurse it back to health. I just don't think you understand how how good a human I am, really. I also feel it should be made clear that I understand the concept of sarcasm, and uh, I hope you do too. If you're not into Patreon and, and don't want my music cluttering up your hard drive, do a review, hit the subscribe button, do all those things. Anyway, now that it's your boy, rate, comment, and subscribe bit is out of the way, on with the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You love a bit of compression. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with audio. What's your favourite? <laughs> Just physical compression. Like being swaddled. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah, like exactly. a burrito in a duvet. <laughs> That's good shit, actually. I had tacos for lunch. Did you? Let me start by saying that I might be a bit um, drowsy version of DJ Yoda this afternoon, just because I've had a really big lunch. (laughs) So, because I I try not to do all my research for these things, like, I do it before the recording. Yeah. So, obviously, for you, I had to listen to a bunch of stuff yesterday. Yeah. So, mate, 1.2 speed or 1.5 speed. So... You're going to sound drowsier to me anyway. Okay. Because yesterday you were talking really fast. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Daniel. I feel really rude Lassac. doing it. Actually, I listened to the Ramesh one. Mm. And um, obviously he's got loads of, like, his, he has little stings, hip-hop breaks yeah. and stuff. But, and they I, sound really weird. Well, they they sounded banging to me, <laughs> but I've just. Well, it's pitched... like the happy hardcore version. Of yeah, the, yeah. Of the jingles. Like, yeah. Oh, this is. And then I real. Oh yeah. That's yeah. how drum and bass started. Pretty much. People accidentally playing breakbeats too fast. So you've ex- invented a new genre again. Again. Yeah. Again. But that's that's the um, thing with what you do anyway is someone doing something that the tool wasn't designed for. So scratching a record isn't, yeah. you know, n- no one at... I mean, uh, and still, the the company that make Technics, they're, they're based in Japan, they still haven't quite got their head around the fact that the, the, their invention is being used as a musical instrument like that. They've, they've been trying to market this new version of the, the 1210 that they bring out, and they just, they still don't get it. Like, all the other turntable companies kind of cottoned onto the turntablist thing and tried to innovate and bring mm. out these new kind of newfangled things. Um, but Technics, the original like thing that I still use if I, I've got the yeah. choice, they're still, I'm, you're right, I'm still using them for something that they weren't actually designed, designed for. Designed for yeah. at all. It, it, but it's really odd. Like a company like that, you would think that they would 
tweaked by now. I think there's a bit of a um, language barrier issue. It happens. I, work, I do some work with Pioneer as well, mm. um, and I'm, I'm, you know, mainly use their mixers. Uh, but there is this kind of um, translation issue to get past uh, when you're dealing with them directly about mm. very specific stuff. And it's yeah, sometimes it's like the Lost in Translation movie. And I suppose yeah. you're getting into like technical stuff. About yeah, finder yeah. curves. Oh yeah, it gets this. much deeper than that. If you yeah. want to get uber nerdy about mixers, there's a whole world out there. I, I remember the uh, Alan and Heath mixers had a filter on them. Yeah. And it was mild to wild. <laughs> mild to wild. <laughs> and it was just like... Yeah. Why don't they do more stuff like that? Like n- like name things cooler. But then you get companies who are making those really bespoke mixers with the radial knobs and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and you see them like in hotel lobbies and posh clubs. And it's like... But if you're an actual DJ... That's that, no use to me. I mean, you, if you're, I mean, the joke amongst DJs is you don't want to get faced with one of those Alan and Heath mixers. Like, they're, they're <laughs> the ones with, with all the dials. I mean, it depends what kind of music you play. Mm. I think if you are playing kind of uh, maybe house and techno, uh, those dial things are kind of... And there must be some reason for them in that genre. <laughs> but so, definitely within the world of, like, hip-hop or kind of... Um, yeah, just this kind of like mixed genre thing that mm. well that I incorporate. Like it's you can't. You need faders. You need to. Fair, I, I don't use the crossfader at all. Mm. I'm, I'm just the two big boys. But, but you still scratch. like the, you still like those up faders. I need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm making the action of flicking it real hard. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, people have really picking apart all the technical side of the hip hop DJ setup at the moment because everything's exploded again this whole world of digital stuff and mm. i mean the thing that i'm using at the moment is this phase dj thing so the little like it's like a dongle but it sits on the record exactly yeah. like, I, I, and i've been wowing sound technicians minds for the last couple of weeks as i've been traveling around the country people as i set set up the t- sound technician be like what's that it's like it's brand new how does it work i've got no magic. idea it's just magic <laughs> i really could, couldn't even guess all i know is that it's really good so like for for people who don't know, like the obviously originally you would be scratching a record, literally that, and you're getting the rhythmic thing by by flicking the fader as well. You're cutting it up, so you're yeah, not you got like two, getting... you got two kind of sources of rhythm. Mm. You got the literally just the manual pushing the record back and forth. That's one. That's one. Sample that. Yeah. Remember, remind me to sample that. <laughs> then you've got the crossfader, which cuts the sound in and out, which mm. kind of gates the sound. So those are your two things that you got to yeah. to play with. But that, yeah, now that there's effects involved and. But we've managed to translate that with things like Serato, which is basically it's a physical record, but just sends a time code to your computer so you can play your MP3s. Yeah, I think the important thing for DJs like me is that you. I can only DJ if I've got that kind of aesthetic setup of a 12-inch record on a Technics turntable. If I try on a jog wheel or a small little diddly thing mm. or a computer, it's just, it's not right for me. I have to have that feel of like a 12-inch record. Well, it's an instrument. I, yeah, I think a lot exactly. of people don't realise how much of an instrument it actually is. Yeah, it's like know? trying to change the size of the keys on a, on a piano. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I get a lot, and you say that I can't, I can't do big keys because I've been a uh, well, travelling musician. Right, so it's so what I'm, you've got used to. I'm mini keys, so yeah. get me on a big one, and I'm into doing octave. Yeah, it's, it's, that a, it's a whole different thing to learn. And the other thing that's happened a lot to me recently, and I, I, it's something that I really pick up on at gigs, is that sometimes I'll turn up to do a show, 
and the DJ booth will be set up as such that there's a kind of barrier in front of the turntables that stops the crowd from seeing my hands and the turntables. Mm. And this is a like real bugbear of mine. I'm like, that is to me like booking a pianist and then putting a bit of cardboard up in front of the yeah. keys in his hands. Like the whole point is if I'm going to the efforts of doing something with turntables creatively, manually, mm. the crowd should be able to see it. Like otherwise what's the point of me being there? Weirdly, like there's something that um a lot of electronic muse uh, museums, musicians uh have taken a while to learn to do. It's all well and good that you can I can I can put this filter on with this tiny little knob or I can do that. But for an audience, you you can either end up like Dead Mouse wearing a silly hat, um or you can sell that show by, I don't know, using chaos pads for your effects because there's lights and things. And... Yeah, the point is, like, what are you doing for your... What, what's making it a show? Mm. And I get it that there are these kind of, like, dead mouse type characters, like, with mm. masks and lights and lasers, and that's a... That's just a kind of a show. Fine. It's kind yeah. of where Aphex Twins ended up. He's got lasers and drones flying over the crowd and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, I get it. it. That's a certain kind of thing. I do have a bit of an issue with it being called DJing because it's not, yeah. in my head, that's not really DJing. It's, it should just have a different name, mm. which is fine. But that's one kind of a show. I think it's just about what are you doing to make it worthwhile people standing there in front of you, facing you, watching you. Yeah. Because just playing a whole record and standing there it doesn't cut it in 2019. Is this why you ended up um, integrating video into yeah. yours? Because you, um, Fatboy Slim does it as well, or was doing it for a brief, brief while. But you go to a huge amount of effort to sell the show. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the video shows that I do, first of all, they were just a kind of natural extension to the way I was DJing anyway, because I was making mixtapes. And I would always put little audio samples from films on top of the from, beats. From day one. Yeah, yeah, before there was that technology to, to use video in the shows. So it just kind of felt natural to me to actually use the movies themselves. Mm. But yeah, it's about making a show and something that's worth watching. Because there is like, I do like the kind of, um, and I like to do gigs like this sometimes, the old school way of just like, it doesn't matter who, where the DJ is, what the DJ's doing. It's about partying. Yeah, And I like doing gigs like that every now and then. Um, but if if I'm on a stage and everyone's facing me, then make it worth everyone's while to face yeah. me. <laughs> because especially if it's like afternoon at a festival, yeah, as well, like exactly. when people might might just be chilling, yeah, and want to see something. I mean, the, yeah. the video shows that I do are designed so that you you can ignore the screen and dance, or you can sit down and eat popcorn mm. and watch it. Yeah, it's, hopefully it will work for kind of either. Um, and so it does make those video shows better for festivals and. I've been doing them at a lot of kind of film festivals, comedy festivals, you know, just more cultural events mm. than it doesn't work at one in the morning if people are pissed off their faces or on whatever they're on. Um, you did um, some stuff with Dame Evelyn Glennie yeah. as well. Mm. And I, I only heard about that because of somebody else's podcast. I'm going to say it was Stu Whiffin's podcast, but it might not have been. Um, but I w went and watched that and it was like, it was that was using the video but video of her so it was like a call and response thing happening. yeah exactly and that was fantastic like that would to me was but it also was really interesting because you're you're a multi-tiered person you rock parties i think that's what they're called yeah you, you sounded uncomfortable saying it's, that. well it's not a party it's a happening <laughs> we're, we're having a happening but you you rock parties and you 
then obviously your last album is a jazzmatazz type yeah. hip hop record. Yeah. Yet then you can do something uh, Guardian readers would understand. I mean, the, the Dame Evelyn Gurney thing was essentially like avant-garde classical music. Mm. But that's what, like, skipping around all these different things is what keeps it interesting for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I've been DJing for 25 years. <laughs> so I couldn't just do the same thing year in year. Yeah. I have to make sure that every year I've got some kind of totally different project to attack. Otherwise, I just get bored. And mm. and I really think that um, having the passion behind what you're doing is number one. That's essential. Otherwise, there's no point doing it. Mm. Um and to maintain that passion, I have to attack different projects. I mean, the like the tour that I've just come off of um, was to promote the album that I've just done. And I created a band for it, mm. a seven piece band, created a show, worked out like what the cello should be doing, what the live drum should be doing, the sax, mm. all this stuff. Uh, and it just, it, yeah, it keeps my mind busy. It keeps me passionate. It keeps me thinking about a new way to, to approach stuff. How was how was it to tour something on that scale when, like we were saying before we started, that you're used to being able to just get on a train? Yeah, oh, it's, it's the negative side of it is that the logistics are much harder. The financial side of it is much harder when you've yeah. got like a whole bunch of people involved. Well, even like even for me and Pip, it was uh, as soon as we started adding like a lighting guy and all that, you just instantly that's two hundred quid or oh, whatever like, a show. You like the, the, as soon as you get one other person involved, you're halving the amount of money you can make. Yeah. Then yeah. there's three, four people you've quartered it, like or yeah. something like that. But you know, sometimes these things aren't money making exercises. It's about like getting something done. Yeah. Um, so that was the kind of negative side of it, but the positive side of it is I still think the kind of most memorable, magical moments that I've had across this career have been when I've been able to collaborate with mm. other people. There's so much more joy to be had yeah. out of like creating something together and it's, it working. It's funny because um, you did the Breakfast of Champions Yeah, that thing. was a similar kind of a That was deal. a yeah. similar thing, but that was with sort of not established artists. Mm. Was so that, that was through the Arts Council? Yeah, yeah, it was like, so this was my third album and the way that that, the genesis of that was this, yeah, this kind of Arts Council project where they just want to make stuff happen and we literally put out an advert just saying who wants to be in a band <laughs> um, and we're like inundated with <laughs> responses. Yeah. So I spent like some time just sifting through. Yeah, I think my dad hit you up with his yeah, kazoo. Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Actually, that sounds good. I would have rem- <laughs> would have probably used that if that was true. Um, now I have to teach my dad how to play the kazoo. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I had to like sift through a lot of crap to find the gems. Um, but then, yeah, basically built this kind of Frankenstein band out of just like good YouTube videos that I'd seen, basically. Mm. But you um, had to do that over... Like it was get together, write an album. Oh yeah! Well, by the, when I like chose everyone that was going to be in the band, we all headed up to Manchester and we had like a week to mm. meet each other, come up with songs, come up with a show, come up with an album. We did it all. Just spending the week before it, going, I hope they're not ourselves. Well, yeah, and yeah. and really luckily they really weren't. I good. mean, it was. I mean, I don't know whether that was my good like sense of like what people are like or not, but everyone turned out to be really cool mm. and like life. I mean. The, the stuff that came out that's crazy the drummer and the violin player got married and had a baby wowza <laughs> from having met each other on that so I'm kind of did like did you play the wedding? no I didn't think they had a DJ at the wedding but I, I do feel kind of responsible for that human that lives <laughs> it's kind of pretty awesome that um, that's not legally binding if you're <laughs> it's not legally responsible it is uh, 
and then yeah and then that drummers like drums me now like on this new album this new tour so all these kind of lifelong relationships started started out of that Mm. which was a really amazing thing to have happened and did doing that live like uh process speak to what you wanted to do on home cooking was that yeah i mean it was was that, that your first taste of that yeah it was i mean before that album i hadn't really recorded live instruments i'd done a little bit um but that was my first chance to really kind of think about recording other people's instruments rather than just using samples Mm. and I enjoyed that so much that that did kind of lead to the way that I made this new Mm. album and probably it's the reason why it came out like such a jazz album yeah yeah (laughs) which was not on purpose it was just I kind of sat back and it just was that Mm. at some point (laughs) but that's like I'd like you say like constantly getting to do different things is going to gonna imp- one thing's always gonna influence the next yeah yeah then my next thing won't be like this at all mm. i'm already thinking about that and thinking about how different that's going to be mm. and it's yeah it's like i said the idea is just try something new the whole time there's just i don't feel like a lifetime is gonna be enough for all the things that i want to do i want to just mm. there's too much to learn and too much to i i, I could Spend the rest of my life listening to all the music in this room that we're sat in. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah. a fair amount. And I won't have time to do that, and it stresses me out. <laughs> like, I want to like be really like learn to cook like Mexican food. Or, that's a good choice. <laughs> or, Mexican or play blues harmonica. <laughs> Mexican breakfast food for me. Oh yeah. I don't know what it is about. Yeah. Just there's something about huevos rancheros. Yeah. It's a good look. I've not. I had many eggs of late. I've I've stopped eating uh, meat briefly. Um, no sugar. This is my first real milk in whew, oh more than a month. Really, it's pretty amazing. You've gone full. Yeah, but not like morals. I was yeah. just getting real fat. Yeah, it's, and I, I don't mean, want to exercise. That's what you got to do. I mean, I, I've reached points where I just think, yeah, I've just got to cut everything out for a bit. Yeah, you just you got to do that sometimes. Mm. I get that totally. But I'm off to the States in a couple of weeks, so... Me too. It'll be donuts and yeah, eggs. me too. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time. Where are you going to be in America? A couple of days in New York. Me too. Because it's um, my partner and I's five-year anniversary, and we met in New York, so yeah. I'm going up there. And I'm recording a podcast there, don't tell her. Um, <laughs> and then we'll be down in... Uh, she lives in Maryland, so All right. we'll, we'll spend nice. the rest of the time there. And we'll probably go to Baltimore, because there's a, there's a place you'd like in Baltimore called... Um, Paper Moon. It's a diner, but the aesthetic of your cereal boxes is the aesthetic oh, of wow. the entire place. They've oh, got wow. a wall of Pez dispensers. And yeah, yeah, this you know. sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. Also, Baltimore, Baltimore is really good if you want to get shot. Mm. Well, weirdly, it's a, it's that's a great place to. That's where. We're, so I'm gonna. We're hopefully gonna move in together, and that's probably where we're gonna end up living. Oh, so. great. Yeah, well, then make sure you uh, get bulletproof vests. I am. Oh, I'm gonna get a bulletproof proof helmet as yeah, well lovely. i'm gonna go um, the whole yeah good. i'm gonna be a bulletproof gimp <laughs> that's that's my plan. i really need to watch the wire i've never have you not watched i've it? never sat down and watched the wire you'll dig it you'll yeah dig i it. know i know i'm gonna love it i just i know why i keep putting it off but it will be on one of these tours i'll just start it and, and yeah there's a weird thing with it as well there's a like one character that is in the wire but he's also in law and order right and he was in the, uh, sesame street and he was <laughs> in an episode of x-files and stuff and I've mentioned it before on the pod, but it's like the, the John Munch continuum. Yeah. That all these things are actually in the same universe, yeah. which would mean that the, the Muppets were... Uh, were like in the same world as The Wire. Well, well I think we're basically <laughs> the X-Files aliens. I like it. You know, I yeah. like it. Actually, weirdly, 
when we were talking about Evan Glenny, as I was walking down here, I saw a picture of Scott Bakula from Quantum Leap. Oh yeah, wow. And it, um, I always had that as Bacula in my head, but you might be it right. It could be Bacula. Yeah, no, I don't it's know. Probably Bacula. I don't know. I like that because it's yeah. more like Dracula. Yeah. But it made me think that maybe because it to throw back to Evelyn Glenny, we, she's deaf but plays percussion via feeling the vibrations. Yeah. But there's an episode of Quantum Leap where he leaps into a blind person, <laughs> but he can see. So. Oh right, so. That feels like a, a like a high concept film that kind of exists already. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very familiar. But I it? think maybe she's Scott Bakula. So your connection here is that perhaps uh, in Evelyn Glennie has Scott Bakula inside yeah. of her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a perfectly serviceable theory. And if so, he's a good drummer. I mean, so I'm surprised. Evelyn Glennie was either the most amazing human I've ever met or a total fraud mm. that is <laughs> that you was my conclusion so I didn't realize she was still around yeah it was weird because like I remember being told about her when I was at school and I'm like 40 now and mm. I just assume everyone I heard about when I was at school is now dead so it was like uh but I didn't believe it when I was at school I, I remember we were in GCSE music and uh the our teacher was showing us a video about her and I remember saying out loud, bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I can't lie. <clears throat> that was going through my head at points. I was like, this can't be, this can't be right. Because there were points where I was talking to her and she wasn't looking at my mouth. But she, she, but she was answering me. I was yeah. like, this is crazy. But there's a, there's a, a kid in America who uh, is blind and he, uses, he clicks. Oh, yeah. And his vision is amazing. Well, it is true, the daredevil thing, isn't it? Of mm. like, you, if you don't have use of one sense, you overcompensate in others. Well, the, like, so I talked, I actually talked to someone about this recently, and it's that the modern theories isn't that you're overcompensating, it's the fact that your brain learns to use them in a different way, mm. you know? So, like, there's been crazy studies where uh, you can, uh, for blind people, you can put like a electric electronic plate on their tongue right and through sending pulses through that you can get them to see whoa yeah dude there's some crazy (laughs) stuff um there's an episode of radio lab you'll have to search it out people where they they talk about loads of different ways we're using technology to get information into the brain yeah like there's one that's like a a a bodysuit that has like masses of different haptic feedback sensors mm. and you using that to give people like local data like stocks and shares and all that stuff Whoa. and then at, there's some obviously these are early day studies so it could all be bullshit but there's some some studies that show that these people took that knowledge into their actual brain and it's like what i, I did some work with a neuroscientist based in bristol where I was, it was kind of a food music thing. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, Fusic. Yeah. Love a bit of Fusic. Uh, or mood. Um, <laughs> and I was like. Send mudes. I'll do my best to explain the experiment, but he would do a better job of it than me. Well, it's his job. Yeah, exactly. So we were like hooking people up with this, you know, the pads on their brains mm. <laughs> that was reading their brainwaves, whatever they're called for a start. But uh, thinky, thinky, thinky lines. Thinky pads. Thinky pads. <laughs> yeah, thinky pads, that's right. <laughs> that's We've definitely what they're called. Um, 
and then I was so he was he, he was cooking in a kitchen and I was DJing at the same time and we did it so that like he cooked a Jamaican meal and I played all Jamaican music then mm. he cooks like a, a kind of American South meal and I played all American South music and then we did one where I played random music and he cooked a kind of nothingy meal and he, um, he was looking at the brain waves the connections between whether stuff lit up more in people's heads when the music and the food made sense together okay yeah. did, were there any good results I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Find out next time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Google food music studies. Uh, no, I think it's on YouTube. You can look it up and he talks about the results of it. But I can't, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's play the music. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. Do what, can I have some of that? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much the gist of my yeah. involvement was like, can I eat some oh, of that? Wait, there's food. <laughs> I'm in. I mean, the amount of like music industry things I went to and just stood by some form of buffet table and didn't talk to anyone. I'm a big fan of like working out where the uh, food is like on plates is coming, the door that it comes out of and then hang, finding that door and being around that door. We mentioned the, we, this band camp event I was at and I literally, yeah, I was like, I saw sushi come out of a door. I was like, okay, if I... Yeah, no. And then I literally just only had conversations with that people <laughs> near the root of the sushi. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, really. You run a label. Excellent. I don't like it when you have, like, a work meal. Mm. And because of it, you're not concentrating on your food. Mm. And you, you sometimes you finish a meal. I don't know if this is just me, but sometimes you finish a meal and you're like, oh, I wasn't concentrating on that meal. Yeah. I didn't get to enjoy it properly. Because I was like concentrating on the topic of conversation, on having to, yeah, yeah. not make a fool of yourself yeah. as well, which is important. That's a lot of cereal. I know people would mention mention that, but why so much? I mean, I one of the things that I just love the aesthetic of is it's cereal boxes. Is cereal boxes and you've, packaging? You got Captain Crunch there. Uh, it's a no. combination of like my favourite Christmas crunch and wow. yeah, and some rare stuff. I like the kind of limited edition one. So there's a, a store in Reading that does like Twinkies and yeah, all yeah. that, but mate, it's like seven quid for a box of Captain. I crunch. know that the import prices are no joke. It's like when it's like the hip hop records when they first started. But if you not thought about maybe parlaying into opening your own. A cereal store. place. Yeah, just a cereal bar. I don't know. I, I like being on the consumer end. Breakfast jingles. <laughs> you know? I like the thinking. No, I just did... I, I Like, when I go to America in a couple of weeks, I'll be going with an empty suitcase. <laughs> cereal. And then fill it... Because cereals uh, take up a lot, a lot of space. But I know all my spots and I've got to... It's funny, because yeah. Americans who come here... Um, when B. Dolan comes over, he always goes back with this massive bag of Percy Pigs. Yeah, I, I get that. There's think places. I mean, I'm lucky that I get to travel so much around the world. Oh, yeah. But each place around the world, or not each, but a lot of places, I just have a thing in my head. Oh, I buy. Like for instance, I get all my deodorant from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> you just one, found one you like. There's one that I like that, that you can only get. You can't order it online. <coughs> um, so every time I DJ in Australia, I kind of stock up for a year. I was trying to explain this the other day to someone. Like the thing, things I miss about touring because I've I've not played a show now in three or four years and uh but the things I miss about touring are talking to people outside the venue after the gig yeah and petrol stations <laughs> like rocking up to some like you're at halfway between Dortmund and Berlin and uh like you just walk into a petrol station oh is that what's that what's in that jar yeah is that a Bockwurst yeah one of my biggest joys 
is supermarket tourism. Yeah. I love a bit of supermarket tourism, especially if you're somewhere exotic. As a kid, we used to go to Calais for the day. Because we were Essex, so you oh, yeah. go to Calais once yeah. a month and buy beer and fags. But we'd always, yeah, we'd be running around the hypermarket. It's like, oh, what's this? Haribo. Haribo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Haribo and Pom, Pom Bears. Yeah, Pom Bears. Pre them coming <laughs> over here. And the French, instead of having what we would have, like Ribena Cordial, yeah. they have syrups. Oh, yeah, in yeah. In a metal yeah, bottle. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and we yeah. used to, and it's like, it's just cordial there. It's exhausting. I, I love food packaging. I mm. just, uh, it's just, I know it's kind of a nerdy thing, but I've got books on it and I just, the aesthetic of it, especially the kind of kiddie American stuff for yeah. some reason, it just, I just like the way it looks. Yeah. Um, and it makes the food more exciting than it actually is. <laughs> well, true, <laughs> it does. It's, that's its job, isn't it? Yeah. It's a weird thing with food packaging, just completely off the point. 20 years ago, you would not put the colour green on food packaging because it symbolised toxicity and mould. Oh. But somehow with the, the green movement, we've shifted we're, people. We're changing the way we're thinking about green. Yeah, That's literally. interesting, yeah, because if you think about it, there aren't too many green famous food product packages no but we we now like if you look at nestle they've got the green bar at the top yeah so yeah this is good and earthy. well green now means kind of yeah veganism and yeah. eco interesting mm. but that's just completely off the point yeah it's nothing to do with scratch dj <laughs> is anything like or no everything <laughs> everything is yeah everything is yeah. back to scratch dj <laughs> um the video show stuff mm. obviously you end up um using anything for yeah, that it's kind of overwhelming i mean like it is for djing as well for me sometimes because i don't restrict myself to a certain genre and nothing's out of bounds it is actually sometimes quite overwhelming to sit down and think right what what's good mm. <laughs> in the world and and i suppose to a certain extent you you find things that work and then you could even just sit in that groove of, well, I'm going to do the Sesame Street thing well, again. It really or this helps, again. especially with the video shows, to theme shows. So that, I've been doing yeah. a lot of that. So like, what you what have you done? You've done, obviously, with the cut and paste, you did the 80s, you did hmm. 30s. The cut and paste ones, I mean, I've got on this, on that USB cassette that I brought out recently. Yeah, which is like 20. It's got like 20 years of mixes on it and yeah. 20 mixes. Uh, but it's also, I compiled like a full mixography and discography oh wow which i hadn't done before and sat down and just seen everything that i've done and it it, it was a bit of a crazy thing to find out for myself i was yeah, like, like oh, oh my god wow. i've done more than i realized um yeah the, the cut and paste mixes i did a 30s one an 80s one um an asian one a country and western one christmas one halloween one so but you can take those themes out as performances in a sense yeah, yeah. and the same with the av shows like the, the the video shows i did a kind of um history of computer games one mm. so it starts with pac-man and tetris and goes right it's funny because um on on your on chop suey and on uh, amazing adventures mm. there's little blips of chip tune in there yeah little nudges it's and... just another one of the things that mm. I like, you know, I yeah. find things in that world that I like. So I there's like some, the, the weird thing about early computer music. There's some bangers. Oh like yeah, Xenon Two. Oh my god, I play yeah. that in that show, the, the Xenon Two original, Mega Blast. Yeah, which is on the bass. Yeah, which is always it's always just like yeah. But those limitations they must have had of, of making that music. That's what makes it good. I mean, yeah. that's what makes for me most music 
sound good is the limitations that were placed on the recording mm. in the first place. Like at the moment, I'd say probably the music I'm most enjoying listening to just for myself alone is very, very early blues, like the mm. very first stuff. And what makes it good is the shit quality of the recording. Yeah, well, you listen to like the the what's left of the Robert Johnson recordings. Yeah. They're, that's just one mic and... That's one take, one mic. Some and of those were cut directly into exactly. all wax. That, all that hiss and crackle mm. is what makes it good. I mm. actually think if you took all that away, I wouldn't enjoy the music as much in any way. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I've got this crappy VHS plug-in yeah. that just gives like VHS yeah. noise. It just sits on the master now. Like every track I've got has just got I mean, this little... I've got another album that I've finished, which... Um, is going to come out next, but not under the name DJ Yoda. It's a much more kind of... Um, DJ Yodler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's very filmic, kind of droney, mm. ATZ kind of stuff. But the starting point for all that music was Crackle and his. Mm. I just Before I even played the note, mm. I was just like loaded up. I, I recorded cassette hiss from tapes from 78. Which you've got a bunch of. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, And... Yeah, I just realised how important, and and it's the same with that chip tune stuff you're talking about. Because whatever I don't understand the technicalities of it, but whatever it was that you had to work with to make all that first eight bit stuff. Yeah, some of that stuff is like n- n- so far from being music. Yeah, it is musical. Like the some of the um, like snares and oh, snares the snares stuff. are just kind of white noise, aren't they? Well, it's it, the people writing it just had. They had to write it as code, yeah, and then compile it and hope they had. You and that's know. and that's what I mean, like that. Just the fact that you had so much limitation and you're so limited with what you work, it gives a sound to that whole thing, mm. which is then evocative of a certain era and of a certain thing. And so, limitations are the best. The worst thing you can have is like all the options in the world. It's it's like going into your wall of uh, cereal. Well, it's like, I couldn't choose which to have right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, it's you like know? when I was about those, I mean, it's what we were talking about was the, the AV shows. If I just sit down in front of YouTube and think like, oh, well, what's good? Mm. That's completely, it's not a helpful way to begin something. Whereas so, if I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to do a show that's just all kids TV themes, <coughs> then you've got some focus and then you can get going. You've got something to search yeah. on. Off. Yeah. yeah. Um, how is the YouTube algorithm for you? Like, have, have you just destroyed YouTube? Is yeah, just I throwing... think about that with Spotify as well. Mm. Like the algorithm is, must just think, who is this weirdo? <laughs> like, yeah. okay, it's weird how that, because the algorithm kind of works. It's, it does, it's good. It is actually really clever. Yeah, but um, it, the way it does it is it lumps people who have the same likes together and then shows... It takes another group of people with the same likes. Mm. And if there's like 1% different between those two groups, it shows each group the other one's 1% different. Oh, that's interesting. That's kind of the, the, if you like this. Yeah, I do wonder how they do that stuff. That's, that's I think they call them rational agents or rational actors. And so it's not just you. You're lumped in with a group of people who like the same thing and da-da-da-da-da. But I imagine you're... Yeah, just the, this I just looked up on Spotify. Yeah, the same. they do these things called daily mix on mm. on Spotify. But each one of the kind of like half a dozen daily mixes that it's recommending for me are, yeah. are completely different kinds of things. That's the thing for for you. I imagine Spotify is is pretty damn handy. But like for the average listener, sometimes the the algorithm just isn't that challenging. Sometimes the when you walked into a record shop and they 
we said I like I like Beta Band, and they gave you a record that didn't actually fit, but yeah. you loved it anyway. I know you need you the error. <laughs> yeah, the error is where the interesting stuff happens. Yeah, I, it's otherwise thing, it's just by numbers. You're like, what I like. You like this, so you were like this, and then everyone's doing the same thing. Nothing interesting. Did happening. you ever use Pandora? Uh, God, what one was that again? So Pandora was you could only get on. You were only allowed if you had an American um, login. Uh, yeah, but you could just put in nine zero two one zero. Yeah, zip code. That's uh, a waste. That's a waste of the zip code. It's the only one that I it's, use. Yeah. It's the only one I know. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know my partner's <laughs> yeah. zip code. Well, the other one was um, Ed O.G.'s first album was called Roxbury O two one one nine or something. So oh, okay. I would go for the old uh, like <laughs> ghetto Boston postcode. Well, the way they did it was like a human sat down and listened to a record and basically kind of. Gave it a genome, yeah, and then uh, like the oh, I remember it now, yeah, 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 yeah so yeah. that you could say I want music. it was a website, like yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, it, you couldn't you couldn't select a player track if you wanted to listen to Joy Division, you put in Joy Division, it would play you stuff in the same genome, yeah. and you might get a Joy Division track. That was to do with uh, money, though. There's an amazing website that I really recommend called Every Noise at Once. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> no. And it's like a map of music genres, but it, it gets ridiculous um, in terms of the sub-genre levels. Yeah. I mean, like Viking, doom, metal, Scandinavian, mm. reggaeton, <laughs> whatever it is. And then it, it kind of maps it all out, and then you can just click on anywhere, and it will start playing something of that genre. Every noise at once. Have a look at it. It's really, wow. really cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but are you, you're still crate digging, but now you're crate digging with... Yeah, digitally. I, I don't I don't tend to buy records really anymore. If anything, I'm like getting rid of records. Um They're backbreaking every time you move. Well on. they they're largely pointless. I would say about maybe a third of what's around us in here is what I actually want. Mm. And I, I say that in terms of like I'm imagining being seventy years old on a porch yeah. with a record player. And just having a record collection that I can just pull out any record and really want to hear that everything that's on the record. So I'm trying to get my entire collection down to one cubby. Yeah? Yeah. So if that's a 14 by 14 inch square, mm. that's that's the amount of vinyl I'm allowed to keep. Yeah. But I'm trying to get it down from that. Which yeah, I would find it hard to whittle it down thousands. that far. But I know, I just know there's a lot of stuff here that I don't need and don't want. The weird thing is, as I'm flicking through, most of the stuff I feel like I'm keeping is like, um, like random oh, Sage Francis sent me a signed record. And it's yeah. like, well, I'm going to keep that. That's Yeah, because it's got some some purpose. And that's exactly the, the, the way that I'm working out. I've got records that are probably worth quite a bit of money, mm. but are no use to me. Yeah. So they'll be the ones that I'm getting rid of. Yeah. And, you know, people have asked me, like, oh, what, what, what's the record? Have you got that's the most valuable or something? And I just, I can't, all I can tell you is what's the most valuable to me. Yeah. And generally, they're not worth much money. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I'm trying to kind of whittle down all physical possessions as much as possible. Mm. I've stopped collecting. I mean, the, the cereal boxes are fun. But they're not. They're, they don't mean anything to me. I wouldn't care if they got destroyed <laughs> in a fire. It's not important to me. Um, and so, the Spotify and all that. It's great for like research purposes, which is really what I do on yeah. most days. I'm like researching video and audio. But if you actually really want to enjoy music, and it's such a cliche, but it really makes such a difference to just 
play a record. Mm. I mean, I do it when I can. And the difference, I would say it's the difference between actually enjoying music and working with music. Mm. Um, because I don't know what, I don't know why. There's just a, like a magic to it that that people spend ages trying to describe the ritual of it or the like sound waves, the technical side. I don't know what it is, but it, it is true. It's a cliche, but it's true. The technical side is usually nonsense in my mind. Yeah. Like the, oh, you got to record at this quality and all that. It's like, no. Yeah, I'm not no. a um, hi-fi geek no. and I don't care about quality of speakers or headphones or cartridges or anything I no, no interest in that at all the, I tried to convince myself to get into that like after angles which I actually had to as for the first time in maybe 10 years I had to listen to a song directly off that record and I was like oh god that sounds rough but uh, like between that and the next album I definitely tried to care more about mm. the sonics of it Mm. Which is fine, but I, I forgot about the notes in places. I just, you know, I, and I've never had the feel. interest in that side of things. Yeah, even in production, I, I just think the interesting bit for me is the genesis of the idea and getting the idea out there. But like, you got to think about it from the terms of like Phil Spector recording an entire backline with one mic. You yeah, know? exactly. And and or like, Robert Johnson. Like mm. as we all the guys making the eight bit music, mm. the limitations are what makes it good. Yeah, like what I don't like is they're trying to make everything sound uh, clean and perfect. Mm. Um, and I would do anything I can to get away from that. Yeah, um, because to me that's what's wrong with a, a most of the kind of popular music that you hear in the current day is everything just sounds like it's <coughs> being spat out of a computer and it's been adjusted to well, sound it's, perfect. It's funny, I know, I'd like uh, the guy who used to master me and Pip's records would convince people to just like when they were doing purely digital dance music he would work really hard to get them to do things like record it to just analogue tape before mm. giving it to him just to give it that little just bit of it something outside of the box yeah 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 and so and it gave him more to work with and just glued it all together you mm. know but it is a strange thing i think we we do it in everything like in, in gaming everyone's talking about whoa we're gonna have 4k graphics and yeah. all that and i like, don't have a high quality tv like that no I'm not. I find those TVs weird. Actually, you watch when you watch programs on them, and it looks too real. Yeah, I hate that thing. But like, <laughs> I remember playing Silent Hill on a PlayStation One and being shit scared. Yeah. And part of it was there was this fog that was like yeah. you could never see that far. Yeah. And that was actually just they couldn't code it. Yeah, exactly. Show the but that worked. It's same but thing. It's limitations. Like, scared, and yeah. you got this little radio that go off if there's a zombie nearby, and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, that was way better than like, yeah. you know, it, I, I suppose, um, maybe we're just old. Oh, we are. There's no doubt about it. Mm. Because I think a teenager would have a very different view, mm. um, because they've not known anything different. But we're growing up with all these like <clears throat> um, preconceptions and being used to all these eras that we're talking about all these references to 8-bit and vhs and mm. you know they all come with their own kind of things that we understand and these cultural references that kind of become our dna and we just mm. and then to fuck with them makes things weird i but i suppose to a certain extent we say a teenager now but like if a, a teenager 15 years ago would have would have still had those flaws but maybe the flaws were digital like listen to grime it's still flawed 
and you listen to drill now, it's still flawed. I but think it's some just... of that stuff, the thing that makes it flawed is just that it's been made quickly. Yeah. Which is not such a bad thing. Oh, no. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, we had, I talked to Tim Exile recently, and his whole um, reason for existing is trying to make electronic music in the moment without having to click a mouse once, you mm. know, that he can, he can maybe burp into a microphone and turn that into yeah, an yeah. entire thing. I love that. I think that's cool. You know, I think it's much better than sitting down in some kind of <laughs> considered long-form way to slowly tinker away with waveforms. Mm, mm. I, 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 you know, that style of production doesn't interest me very much. I understand why it exists, but I think... It's like a kind of research. I kind of, it kind of started with drum and bass and dubstep where, with those kind of wob-wob bass sounds and everything and they're mm. just like oh well, let's see what, what, what crazier sounds we can come up with next I get it as a form of like exploration but mm. to sit down and listen to but I think this is part of the reason why things like modular synths and stuff have taken off you can make those like crazy interactions mm. but you're still doing it physically yeah and that's the thing I think yeah. that's why I like scratching because you can hear the manual oh you do scratching I don't do, you I, I do a bit of the I've never heard about that yeah but that's exactly like I've heard about that <laughs> that's exactly what I always liked about it is you can hear the hand movement it's mm. not a computer it's like you can slow it right down or you like cut super fast mm. and combine all of that and it sounds very physical and very are you, human are you past the stage where you need to practice or do you still um, i still practice yeah or is that part of just still enjoying doing it yeah i, I just would do that anyway uh, you know most of the practice and in inverted commas i get is actually like on stage <laughs> <laughs> like that's just because it's the most time that i am behind turntables but yeah. i do i've got a bit of a ritual of like a friday afternoon before a weekend gig so i'll just scratch yeah which is a nice enjoyable thing to do um, and I would do that even if I didn't have gigs. Mm. I mean, that's the like that's why I'm so lucky for yeah, this job actually, anyway. Because like I would it. just be doing it anyway, just for myself. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for actually enjoying what you do. Yeah. In in <laughs> life, no matter what you yes, are. Yes. Um, we sort of talked about more recent albums, but obviously going further back, if you look at like uh, Amazing Adventures mm. of DJ Yoda. Um, you were definitely more like it was closer to the cut and paste style. Yeah, it, it was almost like a mixtape. I mean, that yeah. album, I think some people thought was a mixtape. Was another, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But was how much of a pain in the ass was it to like clear the samples and all that stuff? <laughs> That's like that my eternal uh, bug Whoa. and nightmare. <laughs> but <laughs> is that also part of the reason why you maybe went into a more live arena? It definitely helps with this kind of the new album there haven't really been any samples on it and it makes life a bit easier there's still like legal stuff like who gets what yeah, split and all that but it's but... not it wasn't the reason why I did it like that um, yeah it it was it was a bit tough um, but the same thing as I would keep coming back to the same points really on this podcast but like <laughs> the idea of like the limitations actually help you be more creative mm. for instance when I did the 80s cut and paste mix the first thing that the record label said to me was like, okay, you can't use any Michael Jackson or Prince or Madonna. Oh, for clearance. Yeah, because yeah. none of them are going to do it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, maybe like, this isn't a good idea doing this mix at all. But, that, how am I supposed... but that forces you away from the big three exactly. into other exactly. places. You and know? that's what kind of like ended up picking more interesting stuff for that reason. 
So sometimes that sample stuff will actually help in a way. Mm. Um, but with Amazing Adventures, you do... You, I mean, my process has always been like to declare the bigger samples mm. and risk it biscuit with the <laughs> more obscure stuff. Yeah. So we, there was a balance to strike with that album. Like, it... I always, I still have annoyance at Pip getting me to sample um, Radiohead. You know, it's still, it's still annoying to me. <laughs> but like, you, you know what? That song only exists because he, it, in his head, he had conflated that song and yeah, yeah. mishearing someone on the radio saying cre- "curator" instead of "creator." Right, and, he, and that whole song sprung out of that. Right, you know, and it's like, okay, you can have your thing that we'll never clear. But there is uh, a certain argument to say that, yeah, even if you're never going to clear it, you still have to do it. If that idea's in you, you I think to... so. I think it's more satisfying <coughs> to me to do what the idea is, mm. even if it's not something that can be released legally. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age, it doesn't really matter anyway. As like, soon as you, you're making money on it, it yeah, seems you can like find no a way cares. to like get stuff out there. It might not be in through legal channels, but mm. people will hear it if it's good. Yeah. Um, so I just don't really let that stuff kind of. I don't. I don't sit down with like, hey, I should or shouldn't sample this or that. Mm. And because sampling is so much at the kind of core of everything that I do, it's just the technique that I start with anyway. Mm. So, for instance, with this with new album, a lot of the tracks I developed this kind of technique where I started with a sample, but then layered stuff on top of it then layered live stuff on top of that and then the final thing I did was whip away the sample Pull out the sample um, which is kind of a cool way of doing it weird again so I talk about Pip too much I miss him so <laughs> we all uh, miss him <laughs> but he uh, what happened to him I don't know man I think I think he records himself talking to yeah, people yeah he or just something. basically got lost in a sea of podcasts but the first thing I heard of him oh, me and Pip knew each other at college but the first thing I heard of him doing music was speech development, the actual record, not the record label. And that he had, yeah, he just, he was loop, using a loop pedal and a CD player as a sampler, essentially. And then he'd got a couple of his friends together who played instruments with this guy, Ross, who's a jazz musician, and got a studio for like three days. And, and he was like, right, yeah, I, something like that, please. Something like yeah, that, yeah. please. And the whole record is... Even though none of the samples are there, they're still present. Yeah. Well, know? there is only so many combinations of 12 notes that can be played. Yeah. And no idea's original. No. And everyone, from Picasso to Mozart to anyone, is building off of the influences that they that have got in them. Mm. So I, I love the way that hip-hop does it with samples because it's so on your sleeve. Yeah. You're just saying, like, look, I love 8-bit music. <laughs> I, I, I saw a thing the other day about uh, the Scotch snap that, like, um, in hip hop, the da 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 when uh, teenage mutant ninja. So, oh, yeah, that thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the guy, it was a YouTube video, and the guy's talking about it and the, the, what the rhythmic pattern is yeah. and, and why it comes about in English because we have so many short syllables. This is uh, iambic pentameter. Uh, that's that's Shakespeare. That's but the hip hop new hip hop thing is, but it comes from Scottish folk music. So Migos is exactly, but it's so funny. It's showing like whoever 
famous rappers. There are ones, I don't know them. Yeah. A clip of them, and then he'll just cut to these two, well, my, two um, Scottish ladies. Scottish, yeah, folks. <laughs> I love that. That's a great bit of genealogy. Well, I definitely recommend the, have you seen the Dr. Zeus uh, Walk It In My Pocket video? No. So it's a kid's book, Dr. Zeus thing, but these kind of rappers are just showing you that it scans exactly in that hip-hop way. There's a Tella, Imma, Zella, and a Bella in the... You watch it, it's really good. Oh, man. But it's that thing, I think we can never... Like, everyone's constantly being influenced. And, like, from a cultural point of view, the more of those influences we can get into the world, the more great stuff we can pull out of the world. That's why I say, like, I I spend my days researching. Mm. It's not even, like... It's out of compulsion, but like I'll watch as many different kinds of films as I can, yeah. listen to as many different kinds of music as I can, because the more mixed salad you get in. <laughs> Have you ever ended up in trouble though? Like you've you've heard a track, I don't know, in a different language, and you've you've played it, yeah. and then found out it's yeah, absolutely. I, when I the first time I DJed in Brazil. I was really into that kind of baile funk stuff at the time. Okay, yeah. Um, but was, that was quite gang-related, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, well, this is exactly what I'm about oh, to say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I was at a festival playing to a big crowd, actually. Um, and Did I you thought, come out for the Crips? Well, that's essentially what happened, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, all I was trying to do was just show the crowd, you know, I've been listening to Brazilian music, yeah, like, yeah. listen to the stuff that I've, I've been hey guys, enjoying. Um, I appreciate your stuff. And the guy that brought me out there... I mean, he came up to me whilst I was playing. He was like, mate, you, you might want to like, um, like change the song, basically. <laughs> He's like, you don't know what... You're basically allying yourself to various oh. kind of like gang uh, situations here. I was like, oh, okay, wow. Uh, DJ Yoda <laughs> <laughs> died it, today Learned an important lesson, which is like, if you get booked to... DJ in Brazil, why don't you go and show them Grime from London? Yeah, yeah, that does make more sense. <laughs> but that's always been a thing for me anyway, because, like... Play a bit of zone too. Well, no, just to, like, come up as a hip-hop DJ, and then, you know, I'll be DJing in America in a couple of weeks, but it's a bit of a weird one. You don't... Americans don't need a guy from England coming over to show them American hip-hop music. No, yeah. Um, like, I suppose, obviously, you can... At your level of skill, you can, you sh- you can show them your ability, but... You can also show them that while playing stuff they might not have heard. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think that's that's the thing. Is like, if you're lucky enough to play internationally, then you've got to represent where you come from, at least to some level. Yeah, and the thing about British hip-hop, it, for me personally, when it started to shed, not shed the American influence, but not... Develop its mimic. own sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah. We, we... And I think that's why Grime blew up in such a way, because that was like, okay... This is... It's now unashamedly us. British. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, obviously you can track grime back to garage and then garage back to um, disco. <laughs> and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Sample- but it is, it is its own... It's, it's coming to its own recently. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Very much so. And it's that thing of, like, why I... Uh, I don't think me and I've ever made hip-hop. It's because it, I'm still pulling Joy Division through and all that. Mm. Like... Um, obviously listening to you on Ramesh's podcast you're talking about you know those early rappers you fell in love with and Mm. all that I didn't even care about hip hop Mm. until I was like 20 and Mm. uh, I think the first hip hop record I really fell in love with was like Sol Williams Amethyst Rockstar right or I think I'd heard 
I'd heard Antipop Consortium. Yeah, there's such a different way to get into hip-hop. Yeah, like and then oh, the Infesticons, Gun Hill Road, and then into Mike Ladd. Yeah. And Mike Ladd's albums, to me, like it was rap, it was spoken word, it had jazz in there, but it was electronic. I could hear Depeche Mode in there. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? I mean, hip-hop just got so big and wide that there's an in... No matter mm. what your no matter what your background is, yeah, you very could much. be into classical music. Well, could, that's the thing know. about that Infesticons record. Like the reason I fell in love with it was because of I. It was on MTV 180 minutes. Mm. That just MTV two even, and uh, it was a, a hip hop break. But it was essentially a rave sample. It was like dang, 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 dang. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what's this? And then then he starts rapping, and he sounds like the little piece uh, that. Have you seen Blade Runner? Little movie called Blade Runner. <laughs> I've heard of it. There's a bit where there's this, uh, I think she's a Japanese woman preaching. Yeah. And she's just giving like a street preacher thing. Yeah, yeah. And he sounds just like her. <laughs> That's and cool it's just this yeah. weird flow. And it was like, oh, this is me. But so the whole time I've listened to hip hop, I'm still kind of like, I, I understand that the Jungle Brothers are good. But yeah, it doesn't. But that wasn't your entry point, so I get it. In that way. and it's so interesting finding out what people's different entry points were. Mm. I mean, really, the only kind of pure and inverted commas entry point is you were living in New York in, <laughs> yeah, in like nineteen seventy nine, or you know. Yeah. Otherwise, you've come into it from some. I came into it through pop music of the like late eighties. You mentioned the Roland yeah. Rat rapping on Stu's. Yeah, or well, just like, you know, the I put some of it on the eighties cut and paste mix, the Climby Fisher um hip hop remix of Rise to the Occasion, mm. which had like all these movie samples in and kind of little scratches and mm. sounds like that. Uh and you would get that in um uh Cold Cut remix of Rakim and stuff mm. like that. It just just it was hearing sampling and scratching, so that was the thing that kind of brought me in. Mm. Um, and I did have to work backwards because I, you know, that was 80, 89, 90 was when I really got into hip hop. Hip-hop. Mm. Then I was like, okay, so what happened in 1988, 87, 86? Yeah. So I was like learning, learning the stuff that came before. So yeah, at that point, like 89, 90, I would have been listening to Squeeze. Actually, Squeeze and I, the first three records I, I really got as a kid, because I would have been 11 then, were uh, Michael Jackson's Bad. Weird, it turned out that he was bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson bad. MC Hammer's whatever. The yeah. one with Have you seen? I didn't care I about. I don't think I've ever heard that this. album actually. That I don't. MC Hammer I didn't album. care about. Can't touch this. But have yeah. you seen? You like, have you seen her? Yeah. Do you like pray? Yes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and squeeze greatest hits because nice. uh, call for cats was yeah, on that's that milk yeah. advert. Yeah. And uh, that was it. And like, but those yeah, your influences take you in crazy direction yeah we're really fortunate we live in like a, an era where you can be you can be an obsessive about an art form yeah you know? although i think that it's weird how we're in this time when everyone's got all of media like at their fingertips mm. but yet there seems to be less tribes than ever mm for that exact reason people can dip in and out of reggae or you know gothic <laughs> classical music or whatever it is so there's it's hard for people to kind of like create a scene you've lived in london most of your life haven't you yeah, I was born in london yeah so although you have all the all the the big melting pot culturally because there's so many people you the tribes can form 
there's a big enough group. Mm. If you grow up where where I come from, there's not enough of you in any one tribe. Yeah, there's to only be six separate. goths. Yeah. <laughs> so like when again, Stu Whiffin, who you talked to on his Off the Beaten Track podcast, he ran a club night in our uh, called the Bullseye, and we used to go there. And all the different tribes of everything other than pop music, basically, yeah, would have so to go on. so it was a blend on. of everyone. So you had, like, DJ Muff Diver, <laughs> and that was his name, uh, who would start the night with soul and hip-hop, boom. And then you'd get Stu playing, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever hot indie there was. And then there'd be this section where, like, it'd be Underworld and Chemical Brothers and right. Prodigy. So everyone was forced to deal with each other's... Uh... Yeah, like, the, over the course of the night. And it was always, like, really, you know... Waiting for Portishead to come on, you know, and then that's the one the girls dance to. It's good, it opens your mind to stuff, but you know what I mean? It's like I think we all had to come in the same place and, and share that. Actually, Chipsel, her chip tune producer, who I've had yeah. on, um, she come her nearest you know shows were Derry, and like, yeah, she's she's playing chip tune to metalers because it wasn't even like not even the pop kids like everyone just had this one yeah, place to this go this is what you got yeah you know so but for her it was crazy because as she got more known in chip tune you've got people who are like massive going how the fuck you got 500 people at a show yeah yeah because <laughs> that's, that's the only choice <laughs> they had no other option yeah I know? mean I had none of that because as soon as I kind of identified as like hip hop kid and was old enough I, my first port of call was the hip hop record shops in Soho. Mm. I'd go down on a on a Saturday and buy the latest promos, and that's how I met all the kind of hip hop DJs that I still know to this day. Mm. Just because I just plug straight into it. Um, but when I was too young for that, I had no one at my school that was into hip hop like I was into it. So that, it was just me for a couple of years mm. there, and that was like a complete waste of time. I just was trying to <laughs> trying to teach myself to DJ and getting it completely wrong, like. And there was no one to show me, and there was no YouTube. No YouTube, yeah. And, yeah. and see, that's the thing. Like, I, the thing with you, you get to play crazy Chinese music, or you know, find bizarre Spanish covers of this, that, and the other through YouTube. Mm. But for if you're learning something, anything at this point, you can find a video on it. I know. I watched this guy um, called Folding Ideas. He's just a, a nice man who talks about video editing. I don't do any video editing. I just find it fascinating. <laughs> I watched a video about what they what are they called L J cuts and L cuts, and what they're two editing techniques where basically you bring the edit of the audio in either before. Oh, I'm or well into all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. so so I you... noticed that in TV programs yeah. and films the whole time. Oh, now I've watched the fucking video. That's all I see. Yeah, yeah. I'm not watching it. It's like, oh, that was a J cut. I do sometimes think, like, you think, oh, if I wasn't doing this job, what else could I do? Mm. And editor is, yeah. like, the main thing that comes to my head. I just think I could do that. Like, that's that's my kind of a thing. Someone asked me this on, on yeah. um, uh, Twitter the other day and then got really pissed by my response. And it was like, because I was working for a... a one of the big five financial companies doing graphic design when me and Pip started. And uh, I quit that job, which was a well-paid job. Not like insane. I was still entry level, but if I'd stayed there 10 years, I'd own a home now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I but would... how would your soul be, Dan? 
affluent. Um, but like I, you know, I made that decision to leave. But when he he said, well, "What would you do?" I said, "Yeah, no, I'd have st- stayed there and and died fat at fifty. Yeah, you know, like you would have played golf, cricket. Come yeah. on, man. Okay, yeah." I'm upper working class, not yeah. lower middle. You would have had a midlife crisis <laughs> in a sports car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we've actually like covered a lot of ground, and everything else would be just stupid. That's one thing because of the nature of what you do. Like, you are constantly on the lookout for a new flavor, a new little dish. How does that affect your ability to enjoy what you do? I'm in a constant mode of, uh, I could sample that or use that, that I can't switch off. Like you can't switch off the active listening part. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I'm too, I like trained my brain to do that. Now. Mm. So if I go to the cinema to see something that's nothing to do with work or anything like that, yeah. if they say like Yoda in it, <laughs> I'm like, that's the only thing you're listening for. <laughs> or I mean that was my example but anything that's yeah. like you know that I would want to use so I've got this my notes section on my phone like reads like the rantings of a lunatic it's just like little bits from radio do programs do, yeah. or do anything that I've heard that, that, so I can't switch that off does it ruin other stuff for me no but can I switch it off no no so I suppose <laughs> part of you the enjoyment is but do you ever have to like you're halfway through a movie and have to stop and go? Yeah. I, I just need to. Yeah. Sorry, that sorry, guys. The whole time. I no, I don't. I don't inflict it on other people. That's why I make notes. <laughs> do it in my own time. Uh, but yeah, it's. A, I can't. I can't switch that off. Mm. You, you mentioned Yoda. Has that caused you any trouble? No, I. Um, they looked into it the first, the very first how to cut and paste mix that came out. The record label kind of checked it out, mm. and because Yoda is a Japanese name. Like just a regular Japanese name, it's fine. it's fine. If it had been like DJ Chewbacca or something. Well, there were there were a couple of guys called Jedi Knights. Yeah, who, that that who was got, an issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think they ended up changing their name to. And Knight. plus, I DJ for uh, George Lucas. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> and I thought if this is if this suing is going to happen, like it's going <laughs> to it's going to commence today. And I met him, and he's, he seems to be he was, he was quite funny it. about it. So yeah. yeah, yeah, there you go. Do you like the name? No, I hate it. I've always hated oh, it. God. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. I did. Yeah. Like are you. Mine's a nickname from childhood. Right. Well, it used to be DJ Sackboy, and Dan Lasack's like a cleaner way of, of saying that. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's just I wish I'd thought of something better. Me too. I'm the same, same, I feel the same. I've always hated it, but it just couldn't come up with anything better, and I hate naming things. It's really the hardest thing. On, on the new How album. How you with track names? Yeah. I was going to say, the new album, I just named every track after a place that had something to do with that song. Okay. So that was a really neat way of doing it, and I've been happy doing it that way. I might even continue doing that. There's a lot of place names. There's a lot of places in the world, so you just keep going, yeah. Um, Yeah, coming up with names for things is is tough. But I can show you why I'm called DJ Yoda by just leaning this way. It's because of that. Oh, you've been carrying uh, a Yoda statue right there. That's been next to my turntable since I had turntables. So it was just for lack of anything else. It was because of this thing. (laughs) Yeah. So lucky you didn't have like a dildo next to you or uh, something. I do, that's the other side. Oh, okay. <laughs> I it was Yoda shaped. Oh, there was one other thing I did want to actually ask you. But it's gone. It's gone. Is it in your notes? Probably, but they're weird. Well, have a look at them. There's stuff like 
I write things down like sampling diversity versus cohesion. What does that oh, mean? I don't know what that means. Why did I write that? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> like some stuff we talked about sampling that that makes sense yeah. and things, and uh, yeah, and there's things we've touched on that don't quite make the sense. But that was the other thing. Mm. In in something else you said about you never go back and listen to your older work. Mm. Why? Because I just hear what needs doing. Nothing's ever finished. You can't, yeah. Like, all you can do is, like, I just think that it's what I was saying before about when you start something, the genesis of the idea is the bulk of what's happening. Mm. So as soon as you've got it out there, most of what you want to get across is, the rest is just finessing. And then you can tinker from that point onwards, ad infinitum. That can go on Mm. just till you die. Like, (laughs) yeah. So you just have to draw a line at some point. Because you're constantly learning as well. It's like, well, if I wait another month, I'll I'll know this always a There's always a reason to procrastinate and there's always, uh, it's never going to be perfect. Mm. So what you have to do is get the idea out and then find the point where you're like, that's pretty much got what I was trying to get across. across. Yeah. I have to draw a cut off line. So for that reason, I can't go back and listen to anything old Did because you... all I'll hear is like, oh God, I could have done that so much better. I could have spent so much more time on this bit or that bit. Yeah. Did yeah. you have to go back for the how and cut and paste though? For yeah, for this, for this new USB cassette that came out, I did have to go back, but not um, just to go and see what I'd done. Yeah. I didn't li- like listen to everything through. So it was just like, okay, I use this, this, and this. Yeah, make but I did. I did have on. to listen to a few things. I made some decisions about what not to put on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a few things that didn't because I just didn't think they were good enough to be on there still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's an uncomfortable experience mm. listening to old stuff that you've done, especially the really early stuff. I mean, I've got tapes here of like the very first things that I made that were before mm. cut and paste. I mean, there some of them are like unlistenably bad. And this is sort of pre-Dex sort of era yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, this is tapes with, dropping stuff onto yeah, yeah. four tracks. Yeah, or even rapping. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Which no one's ever going to hear that. It's funny, Sage Francis, on most of his albums, there's clips of him rapping as a kid. Yeah. And it's, it's still annoying. It's like, <laughs> he's still a better rapper he's still good. when he was yeah. 12 than I am now. Yeah. I found uh, found tapes of me and my mates rapping uh, when we were teenagers, and we were all just copying whatever rappers we liked the most at that time. Yeah. So it's quite funny because each one of my <laughs> one of my mates sounds like Redman, one of one of them sounds like Method Man. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, no one's ever hearing that. But that's, I suppose it's kind of nice, man. Like not. You got to try. <laughs> you got to give it a shot. <laughs> no, I mean the the, the not looking back. Because it's freeing to not have that that way. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's just there's always something new to work on. It's like I said to you, there's so much that I want to do mm. that why would you waste time looking back? There's yeah. there's enough to be getting on with. What's the best way to live life? Maybe be present, live life, feed your soul. I yeah, I regret nothing. Other than all the stuff I regret, obviously. Yeah, but I, but, yeah. yeah I regret the... not having any regrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I regret all the stuff I did wrong and all the people I hurt. But other than that, I regret nothing, man. I'm totally free. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> well, on that depressing bombshell <laughs> of all the lives I've ruined, um, we'll call it call it a day there. Is there anything you need to plug? This won't be out for a 
like a month a month no i mean just to say that like the the new album the usb cassette that i'm talking about all associated merch is all on my Bandcamp page so that's the on place your Bandcamp to, page. yeah that's the place to go for all Bandcamp, a bit of information about Bandcamp. yeah uh 80 of the eight million dollars that's spent on Bandcamp a month is uh merch interesting is physical so if you start in your band camp people and don't make music make t-shirts make t-shirts well no like vinyl <laughs> or whatever but your people are still buying people are still yeah, wanting yeah. that physical that's nice thing to that's hold. good to know yeah um i know that's a really it was a yeah we did like um like art prints of the album cover and nice yeah there's all, all different bits and pieces but um yeah it's all in the band camp so yeah if you want to make mad cash copy yoda yeah, that's definitely not the takeaway from this podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you want to make my cash, sam- sample yeah. things that you will never get cleared. If you, if you want to make my cash, probably just play EDM and buy a mask. Ooh. Yeah. Or racist YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying just, to... Trying to... Yeah. Hey, that was good. That was really good. I was really relaxed and just really liked the way that, that conversation flowed, you know? Sometimes I'm... I'm overly uh, aware of things I want to ask, whereas that one, it felt like I didn't really have to guide it in any way, shape or form, particularly, which is nice. I don't know if that's just Yoda being one of those people who's easy to talk to, or me getting better at doing this. I don't know, that's up for you to decide, really. It's Yoda being a really easy to, person to talk to, isn't it? In another life, I feel like he would have been a good good motivational coach. You know? Like you're really rich and you hire a human that you just phone up and they make you feel good before you go and oppress the working classes. Or something like that. I, I think he'd have been good at that. <laughs> Again, what the hell am I saying? Um... Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone who hits subscribe and, and comes back every week. I do... means a huge amount to me. means a huge amount to me. This podcast is doing a lot of good things for my brain. And I'm finding it really inspiring to just hear how other people face the same challenges that I've faced in my life. Whether that's creatively or in certain episodes, in one of the upcoming episodes... Um, in more difficult social issues but we'll talk about that episode when it's up that might be the next episode but it may not it depends there's there's reasons and things that i'm not going to go into here but i just want to make sure that it all flows together nicely i know it's like a big two-week gap so it probably doesn't matter but i also like overthinking things so just let me do that you know Anyway, thank you everyone who's supporting on Patreon. Thank you everyone who jumped onto Bandcamp. Thank you everyone who retweets and all that stuff. I'll be back in a fortnight with more Falling Forward with Dan Lossack. I'm not really sure why I did that in that voice, but expect more of that voice. For those interested, it's patreon.com forward slash Dan if you want to support the pod financially. Uh, danlesack.bandcamp.com if you want to grab the music and google.com if you want to like search the internet so if you've got something you're like looking for like rabbits 
you go to Google and type in rabbits, and and then you you find stuff about rabbits. Um, that's yeah, that's the one of the better URLs for that. Thank you in advance for spreading the good word, and I'll see you in a fortnight. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.